It's 10, 12, 58 degrees. And good morning. Uh, another Friday. It's a little bit wet out there, but uh, we need it, man. We need it. Too bad we didn't get a little bit more uh, than what we're getting, but I am Jay Paul. This is KTOE AM 1420, as well as FM 98.7. We stream online as well, KTOE.com uh, or the KTOE app, which is free to download on uh, your uh, favorite app store, and uh, the iHeartRadio app as well. It's Mental Health Friday with Marcy Petro, and we are, uh, man, this is like, no, almost nine full months into the show. I can't believe it. We're still here, Jay we Paul. We keep rolling, man. Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> we, need, we should play that Tina Turner song. Yeah, she, oh, yeah. Rolling on the river. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that when we uh, roll on into the next thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we have announcements uh, about the show, but it's not, uh, the timing isn't uh, set Yeah, let's yet, wait. So. Let's wait. Yeah. We got some... But we have good news, folks. Yeah, it's good. good news. Good, good news. So we're, good. we're happy today. We're very, very happy. So... Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything too crazy that I've experienced lately. Usually, we, there, usually there's, a, you know, Jay Paul and I are known for uh, adventures adventures and things that happen. Well, you I went, feel like there was something last week I you did. You went somewhere, but it was uneventful. No, I, I hung just, out with your best friend again. Uh, oh, yeah. We always have adventures. Yeah, we got our nails done. I thought you were going to get that uh, ATV or whatever, the golf cart. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I have up. sad news. It officially, they did. Yeah, it died. Oh, no. Our golf, we were we're going to have a golf cart and make it into a Barbie golf cart. So we were going to do this really cool thing. But yeah, it's officially no longer in operation. Uh, right. I know. So now we have to think of something else. <laughs> you should mention at the top, uh, we always reiterate because we have new listeners coming in all the time. But you're uh, Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So welcome to the Yeah. So welcome to the show. And by that, I don't this mean is the, the uh, oldest profession. Uh, this, this is a <laughs> mental health talk show. Um, and we're excited to be here. We're like one of the few that we know of that are doing this on the radio. So yeah. there's Dr. Phil and then there's us. Yeah. Uh, so no Pretty pressure. Much. But um, my name is Marcy Tatro. I'm a social worker here in the area. I'm a clinical social worker. Been in the field for over 10 years. I have two master degrees and I'm an LICSW license uh, clinical social worker there. Um, and I work here in town. But our show is actually about combating mental health stigma, addressing barriers yep. that get into care. Sure. Um, that might be different areas such as not having insurance, uh, self-pay, or maybe the, there's a you don't feel a connection with a provider um, type of thing. Or maybe we just don't have therapy uh, offices in your area. So I'm shocked at the number of different topics we talk about here. Oh, and we have another great topic today. And then yeah, yeah. our last topic uh, we're, um, about the show that we really are here to help with is suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And so every week we either try to give a different tip, uh, different information. Um, there's well, just the 988 number, of course, yep. we give that out all the time, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Yep, 988. They can get you in touch with somebody or just talk to you about uh, any problems you're having. And, and we have, local, and right we have local providers here in the area. Yeah. We yeah. have Prairie Care. We have Mayo, Mankato Clinic, Nystrom and Associates. Sure. Um, we have substance uh, providers in the area as well. So it's just uh, it's we're very lucky. Too, yep, so. and we have our own uh, crisis uh, shelter up in uh, up on the hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, so... so uh, today's show is about PTSD. Okay. Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, th- today's month is actually uh, Suicide Awareness Month and also Substance uh, Counseling Month. And so today's topic is pretty epic. I think it's really, really important. So uh, we're going to be talking about PTSD today. All right. And in order to talk about this topic today, we are very honored to have Dr. R.J. Sutherland. He is a PTSD expert, and I am very, very excited. 
um, to have him here. So uh, without further ado, Dr. Uh, Sarlin, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm happy to talk about this topic. We're getting big. This guy's a big deal. Yeah, he is a big deal. You're, you're nationwide, man. I'm a national trainer you for are. Yeah. prolonged exposure for PTSD. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners who might not know what that is, um, so back in June, I kept talking about how uh, I was going to this PE training, prolonged exposure. And, and previously on air, we had Dr. George Camaritis, and he said the number one treatment for veterans was the thing called PE. And he had recommended I get trained in it. And actually, I so I'm really excited that I met you at, at the training. You are the trainer um, for us at Nystrom. And so tell us um, a little bit about who you are, uh, Dr. Sullivan, and your experience and your background. Sure. So I actually grew up in um, northern Minnesota in Grand Rapids on a, on a hog farm. My dad was an iron ranger. He went to work for Blanton Paper Company. And so some really rural background there. Yeah. I uh, ended up uh, first, my first career actually was as a high school teacher in Burnsville for about seven years. And then I uh, went on to earn. Got out of that quickly? (laughs) Well, you know, it's such a rewarding profession. Such a rewarding profession. And I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't that high school teacher. And um, so I I did my PhD uh, at the University of Houston and I um, focused in PTSD. I. I uh, did my internship at the National Center for PTSD, did a lot of training at the, the VA, and then came back to Minnesota and uh, worked in several of our local larger healthcare organizations, uh, got into administration, and now I'm the vice president uh, of addiction services for Nystrom & Associates. Wow. I'm very, very proud of that. That's pretty awesome, John. I think you have an amazing career. And uh, just tell people a little bit about the trauma uh, center that you were at and where it was located. Because I think people here in Minnesota might be a little jealous starting, you know, in a couple months here. So um, I did my internship at the National Center for PTSD in Honolulu. And what was so great about that was I was able to immerse myself in the research and be able to work and learn from some of the best experts out there in PTSD and the treatment of it. And so I learned a lot, and I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Wow. That's pretty awesome, and I'm glad that you're here to share that with us. Uh, You said that you learned some of the best treatments for PTSD. Can you just maybe mention a couple, like what's maybe the number one? I don't don't, want to necessarily say that there's a number one. There are treatments that are are recommended more than others that are are considered evidence-based, first-line treatments. Those treatments would include, of course, prolonged exposure for PTSD, cognitive processing therapy, uh, EMDR, and there is some great research that is is very promising for written exposure therapy. Oh, that's awesome. And you happen to be the national trainer for the PE, which is a prolonged exposure training, so we might talk a little bit about that later. But um, Dr. Sullivan, can you give us some statistics on PTSD? Absolutely. Okay. In a lifetime, basically about 7.8% of people across the board in the United States will be diagnosed with PTSD. Currently, there's probably about 3.5% of the population that has a diagnosis of PTSD. Okay. And for the people that are listening, can you describe what PTSD is, post-traumatic stress disorder? Yeah, because I think it's a term that is thrown around a lot lately, and 
But I think you should listen to people who think they have it. I'm not going to have to say dismiss it, but it is. It's uh, it's really used a lot more than it has been ever before. So no, that's actually, uh, and I think you're. Which also gets to a, gets to a different point, but we'll come back to that maybe later. Jay Paul, I'll address that. Okay. Sometimes things are overly diagnosed, and that's a yeah. So thank you for bringing that up, uh, John. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about yeah the PTSD, what it is? Yeah, post traumatic stress disorder is a response to an event. Typically, the event is a life serious uh, event. Um, it can be um, sexual assault, and then the response is. Um, one in which uh, an individual shows symptoms that they have intrusive thoughts about that event. Uh, they avoid talking about that event. They have a lot of cognitions or thoughts um, that are very closely you know, related to guilt, shame, and blame. They really beat themselves up. And then there's this hypervigilance uh, response where individuals are on guard, they're jumpy, they can't sleep, concentration issues. And so if those symptoms after a traumatic event last longer than a month, that's when we call it PTSD. Okay. All right. So some of you out there who might see that maybe in your husbands or wives, or if you've had um, any uh, loved ones who've been deployed, they might see that with some of their returning spouses. Um, so we have a couple of different treatments that have been recommended. Um, what? Let's go into why as uh why are treatments so important to, like, why is it so important for people to get help? Like, so as far as what are the suicide statistics? Yeah, you know, suicide is closely related to a diagnosis of PTSD. And we know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death um, across all ages and the second leading cause of death for 25 to 34-year-olds. And we also know that for each suicide death, about, there's about 25 suicide attempts. And so this is really a national public health concern. And it's especially concerning for our current or former military folks because they represent about 20% of the current known suicides. Mm -hmm. This was very important for me because my dad is a Vietnam vet. Oh, okay. And... Mm -hmm. um, experienced some symptoms but you know overall has has had a recovery well, that's great to hear because not everyone has a recovery um john can you tell us a little bit now actually that might be a good time can you tell us a little bit about why some people might not recover from the ptsd as others as you know within that one month adjustment period if you go through an, uh, an acute event of a car accident or uh you know a sexual assault um, and you still have symptoms after a month. Can you tell us a little bit about why uh, the PTSD might cling on? Yeah, so what we know is that most people are going to have a traumatic event in their lifetime. Most people actually have a natural recovery. And what we believe, in, and this is really based upon emotional processing theory, and that's the theory we use for prolonged exposure. And prolonged exposure is, again, a cognitive behavioral approach to treatment using heavy emphasis on exposure. But what we know is that when people avoid, okay, avoid people, places, and things, thoughts, memories, and feelings, or, and as well as really beat themselves up, they lose their confidence. They say, you know, why am I, why do I have these symptoms? Other people could have handled this differently. I'm to blame, it's my fault. 
those beliefs along with avoiding is why people don't get better. And so if you're in a car accident, one of the best things you can do to get better and then not actually get those symptoms is to re-engage. Because if you don't re-engage in that activity, you'll never learn that you can actually do it and then gain the confidence. And then what happens if you actually do kind of practice it? We talk, we talk about these like exposures. So let's say you uh, actually kind of face, you know, you have to um, talk a little bit about that exposure piece and the habituation. Because I think that's helpful for people to realize, oh, that makes a lot of sense. This really scary thing happened. Now I, I went on a date. I got roofied. I don't want to date ever again. But now, uh, now I don't have, you know, all these different things because of that, right? So how is it that... Um, Talk a little bit, explain about how, how habituation works and then getting the confidence to work through those mini exposures and how that helps uh, treat the PTSD. So again, avoidance is, a, <clears throat> avoidance is a huge reason why people don't get better. And so what we know works is if you re-engage with what we would call the stimuli or the event to a certain extent. So that might mean talking about it over and over and over again. And the reason why people have those intrusive thoughts is because it's not processed. It's really unfinished business. And so what we know is that people have to talk about it. And so by talking about it and then engaging in activities that they avoid, like going to a store or something like that. Or going on a date. Or going on a date, little by little, people's anxiety will go down, down over time because we're not made to be anxious for that long. And when the anxiety goes down, they start to learn that they can do it. And then they gain confidence. And by gaining confidence, then they can re-engage again. But if they don't have that opportunity, they never learn that they can do it. And so then people then isolate, they use substances, they avoid, it maintains it. Yeah, and then on on the dangerous, scary note is then, if it's still maintained and they feel hopeless and they're beating themselves up, engaging in that shame cycle, then they can have those 25 attempts, you know, that leads to suicide. You know, it's very dangerous then if by keeping the PTSD going in your life because then you're not living your life fruitfully or living in a way where you're enjoying joy and, you know, and happiness and things. You're, you know, you're stuck in those things. And, John, you mentioned this earlier that uh, PTSD is a comorbid thing, which means it can also come along with other diagnoses as well. And you mentioned maybe a... Um, a mood disorder, it can, it can come with depression, anxiety, things like that, right? Absolutely, and this is actually what the basis of what I do at the University of Minnesota. I teach a trauma anxiety assessment and treatment intervention course. And I've done that for the last 10 years, and it really focuses on that comorbid condition of PTSD, other anxiety disorders with other depression and substance use disorders. And we talk about how um, by treating the PTSD or the anxiety disorder, a lot of the depression and substance use items will start to go away and fade as well. Well, that's awesome. We're going to come back on our break and talk more with you. Thank you for uh, being here. Stay uh, stay listening. We'll be back for a second segment after break. Yep, we got about 10, 12 minutes. We'll be right back here. Second segment of Mental Health Friday with Marcy Tatro. I'm Jay Paul here on KTOE. 
We do this every Friday. and In fact, you can find these in podcastable form on our website, ktoe.com. Uh, we are hoping to start a podcast soon. We've been talking about that for a long time, though. we got to get off uh, talking about it and just do it. But it uh, seems to be the thing. There's a lot of them around uh, the radio stations. So, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we got to get back into this because we uh, have to... Uh, get uh, more great information that we're uh, experiencing here from Dr. R. John Sutherland, a PTSD expert. Uh, thrilled to have him here on uh, the show. And we're talking about PTSD today. Yeah, in all of its forms. Mm-hmm. And it takes many, for sure. Yeah, unfortunately it does. Yeah, from sexual assault, uh, you can have uh, the, the military uh, uh, You have experience. military, car accident, anything that's like a life-threatening type of event. Yeah. Or witnessed or heard. EMTs probably have a Oh, actually, too, yeah. yeah. Some Sometime I think we're going to talk about that because it's not just military, but it's also our law enforcement, yeah. EMTs, first, oh, yeah. r- first responder uh, providers. But yeah. it is one of those things where we can be a victim of something, but with, when you work through it, you become a survivor. And that's really, really empowering because you're not letting it grab hold of you anymore. Yeah. And that's why we're here, honestly, folks, is because we're here because we care. And we're here. Um, so excited to have uh, Dr. R. Uh, John Sutherland today because he is a expert on PTSD and we are so happy and I'm so honored to have you here. I love being here and I could talk about PTSD and how to help people with it all day long. It's really been kind of the focus of my career and um, just helping people. Yep. You know what, John, I was going to go with the flow, but I got to do a little surprise. I'm so sorry. I have to tell you, so I had training with John uh, for four uh, four weeks back in June where I wasn't on air. Yeah. And you have taught me a lot uh, in those sessions. I, I think you have you taught me more in that training with about prolonged exposure, um, about how not to engage in avoidance and how to help clients through that. And um, just your stories that you shared about why you switched from being a high school teacher. You mentioned that in the first segment. He was a high school teacher and then Burnsville, he became, yeah. yep, then he became a uh, clinical psychologist, uh, which is definitely not easy. It's a long road, but um, you had some really powerful experiences. And I think, um, John, if I can say, it has really shaped you become such a wonderful, wonderful teacher. You're very skilled at it. And I am grateful that you're here today teaching because on break jay paul even said that you explain things really well and clear in a way for listeners and for him um to help understand like what things are and these concepts and these these actually these real things that are uh they grip they can cripple people in their mental health and this is so why it's why it's so important that we have this show to help educate and help provide a place of support for people who are struggling so thank you so much because i really do think that you are so talented so I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Well, I really appreciate that. And, and the fact is, is that PTSD is treatable. It is treatable. And you can get better. You just need to go ahead and take that first step and get treatment. I mean, we have excellent treatments where people get better within 10 to 12 sessions. And they don't even meet criteria for PTSD anymore. Mm. And I just think about all of those people out there that are so afraid to to get help because of the stigma or because they just don't think there's any hope. Mm -hmm. And that's really the disease talking um, uh, related to PTSD. I wasn't going to bring this up, but now that you mentioned it, one of the heart, um, I learned this in graduate school and I was actually in the theological side. I had Dr. Larry Graham, who was a wonderful, amazing professor. Uh, He had taught us that trauma was the unnarratable. When you know it's trauma, it takes your voice. 
And it has this like feeling where you're almost, it's so bad that you can't even talk about it and you can't even almost say it because it's the unnarratable. And that's how you know sometimes it's mm. trauma because of the guilt and the shame and it keeps it locked. And in, in, in that, um, I mean, these are more, I guess, theological kind of things, but, um, but he, he really did teach us that when that's how you know it's a trauma is that trauma steals that voice where it's hard. And so I think when people do have that fear, it does make it harder for them to reach out. Yeah, you know, with PTSD, it, it's not just mental. It also impacts the body. We feel it in our body. We feel it in our, in our soul. It really is overall, it overcomes a person. And that's, again, where when I do treatment with these survivors, be it in, at the VA, I, I was at the Center for Sexual Trauma at Bay Pines in Florida for two years, um, an incredible experience working with those survivors and then or or even working with individuals here in the metro area and and teaching students and I hear my students their success stories and how these people are getting better but it, the first step is getting help mm -hmm. learning that it's not your fault getting rid of the shame the blame mm -hmm. the guilt Yep. that's the first step and it and it's the stigma right it's the i don't know um it's the, that stigma that we talk about so one thing in the field when i was in graduate school they talked about how um, they're trying to really move from calling it ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder to post-traumatic stress especially for military combat veterans um, that struggle with ptsd can you share with us a little bit more about why they're moving away from ptsd to uh, pts so the dsm-5 that's kind of our book that we go to to obtain a diagnosis for an individual. It gives us the criteria. In the last edition, of course, they called it PTSD. And there was some definite reactions to that because when you go into combat or you survive a sexual trauma, you know, these symptoms are pretty normal for the beginning. Um, and so some individuals don't necessarily want to go in for treatment because they don't want to be labeled. There is that stigma. So the Pentagon, the VA, really had somewhat of a push to call it post-traumatic stress and get rid of the disorder. And by doing that, then, more individuals were willing oh, yeah. to come in and, and mm -hmm. get treatment. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And um, a conversation I think that I would like to have some day too on maybe a separate show is about how military combat is very different. I think than any other mental health, you know, things that we see just because of the, the nature of it. Um, and I do think it is unfair about the stigma that gets attached to it. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. And I think PTS, I, I do feel that's more appropriate, but that's just me personally and professionally, but I do think it falls under its own category. So yes know. and no. I mean, like what I would say is, People who experience a combat trauma and people that experience uh, sexual trauma or a natural disaster, they end up with the diagnosis, you end up with the same 20 symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the great news is by doing some of these treatments like prolonged exposure or cognitive processing therapy, EMDR, we're getting at those symptoms. And by getting at the symptoms and talking about the trauma and making people realize that they can do it, 
they get better. That's true. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can have different types of trauma. In my view, it really does have to do with those symptoms and what it's costing you. I mean, so many of these people will avoid by using substances. And by using the substances, then they don't have to really face it. But that only works for the short run. Or people will busy themselves. They'll throw themselves into their work. Mm -hmm. And that way they don't have to think about it. And yet that is what keeps the diagnosis around. John, speaking of that, if you are struggling right now with PTSD and you find yourself doing these things, like I got to stay busy, I, I can't feel anything, I feel numb, I'm, I'm, I want a beer because I just don't want to think about it. What can you, what words of encouragement do you have right now? If you're out there and you're, you're struggling with trauma, with PTSD, um, what are some words of encouragement that you can give to them? There's hope. Boy, there's hope. You just have to take that first step. I can't tell you how many patients, their stories, I mean, they really kind of grab you at the heart. And again, this is why I'm in this field is to help people. And I see them tell their stories and I see them re-engage in life. I see how their children get so much better because now they have mom and dad back. And so like, it takes a lot of courage to take that first step, but it's one step after the other. And by doing these treatments, you're likely going to get better. I mean, there's an 85%, 80 to 85% effectiveness rate for you know, prolonged exposure, cognitive processing therapy, around 70, 75% for EMDR. You can get better. You just have to take that first step. I've seen it. And I, the, best, the best gift for a therapist or a clinician like myself is seeing these survivors, be it sexual trauma or military trauma, come back and say, my family says I look different, yeah. I feel yeah. different, and, and, and they want to do things. And that is what it's all about. And that's, that's the gift that uh, we as therapists give to the world and to, the, to people. It's, it's such a great honor. And, but there's hope. There is definite hope. You just got to take that first step. In this field, is there also a shortage of uh, therapists? Oh, yeah, across, well, I there would say is. there's a huge shortage across the country, technically, yeah. right? Yes. There's fewer providers, and we probably have uh, more problems with mental health and addiction than we ever have yeah. before. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we need young people to get into the field sure. to, to help us. Well, hearing you talk about it, it's so rewarding. You would think that that's inspiring right there. It is. It's also a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because yeah. you're, you're taking this on. Well, first of all, a lot of schooling goes into it, too. You know, the great news about the treatment of PTSD and prolonged exposure is you don't have to have a PhD like me to be able to facilitate oh, okay. it. Right. You know, you, you get that master's degree and you're going to do a great job and the results are just the same. It's an evidence-based treatment. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so encouraging okay, cool. and why I teach it to, to students. So we have how much time left, J-Paul? Two minutes. All right. So um, a couple, again, a couple of resources around the area. If you're looking for, um, if, you, if this sounds interesting to you, you're looking about PE, you can always call um, uh, AS, uh, ASP or ACP, psychological, 
Dr. George Camaritas for military for the local Mankato area. Yep. Uh, we got Nice Room Associates. We have EMDR there. And I'm not sure about CPT. Do we have providers doing that? We don't. I don't think we have as many people doing uh, cognitive processing therapy, but we do have 40 trained clinicians in for prolonged PE. exposure. And we have several of our therapists that specialize in DBT that also have expertise in it. So we're well versed at Nystrom to be able to mm-hmm. handle those those problems. Yep. And so, um, well, thank you, John. I'm so glad that you're here today. It's been uh, an honor having you. You're such a wonderful teacher. And I think, um, it, again, folks, if you're struggling with, struggling with PTSD, there's so much hope for you. And today's show is uh, dedicated and in honor of all those who are survivors of PTSD and there's hope. So please reach out to Prairie Care, Nice Room Associates, whatever agency you can find that offers some type of CPT, EMDR, PE. Those are your great uh, treatments for for PTSD. So Uh, here you go. This this one's for you. Great job, uh, Dr. Sutherland. Thanks for stopping in.